We are picking up the topic of music and just going to share a few thoughts on this particular thing. I understand that music, the whole issue, is a little bit confusing. Am I on here? A little confusing, uh, certainly controversial, but it's crucial and critical to the Christian life. I don't think you'll, you'll separate your success for the Lord uh, and, for, and, and your decisions regarding music. As we already heard tonight, music starts in the heart, and it's to the Lord. It begins here. And the heart is, is basically how we feel, it's how we think, and it's what we want. And uh, if our heart is pure, and if that's a difficulty, then, well, obviously what comes from us will be pure. If our heart is wicked and questionable, self-centered, then what we have is going to be obviously the opposite of that and be that way. I want to take just a few minutes and just remind you that we're talking about the righteousness of God. And uh, I want to just give you some truths from God's Word. Every one of you have to make a decision. No decision is still a decision. <laughs> but you can say, you know, I, I'll take it or I'll, I'll leave it. You can do whatever you want to do. I don't have to answer to God for you. I have to answer to God for me. I do have to answer to God for how I encouraged you and how I helped you. And I must give an account with joy and not with grief. For this is profitable to you that we learned that. And now, you know, I, I, we've talked about money last month. This month we're talking about music. A lot of things in life we just have to ask ourselves. And you have a choice, you know, is this what I would want? What I like? You know, oftentimes we think, okay, music is whatever I like and God will be fine with it. But I don't believe that's true. I believe that there is, um, that it's not all moral. It's not all music is fine. I think we'll see that in the next few weeks from the scriptures. But there's over 500 references in the Bible to music. So obviously God has something to say about it. And it's probably uh, it's something that every pastor and every preacher ought to sometimes reference. If God said something about it 500 times, <laughs> then we probably ought to speak about it occasionally anyway. And it is very personal. As I said already, it's, it is something that's confusing somewhat. It's hard to know exactly. Uh, in some ways, is this acceptable? Especially in Christianity, because you have good people. And not everyone who maybe uh, has a different standard of music are bad people. I don't think so. Some, are, some maybe worship the Lord out of ignorance. They just, that's just how they, that's all they know. Uh, some, out of worldliness and self-centeredness. And I don't think God borrows anything from the devil to worship his son. And I think we have to watch out for that because the devil and the world and the flesh are very aggressive. They have, they have an agenda. And the agenda is to rob glory from the Lord. We studied this morning just a little bit in, in Psalm 23 where the Bible tells us in Psalm 23, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God wants to lead every one of us in a path of righteousness. I don't care if you're eight years old or 80. God wants to lead us into a place of righteousness. And ultimately, it's because of his name, his glory, and others' good. Even in soul winning, the Bible tells us in the book of John that herein is my Father glorified, that we bear much fruit, that we win the lost. The fruit of a righteous life is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. Uh, people who do the things right, God blesses them, and he blesses them with souls. Well, with that in mind, I wanted to share with you a few thoughts here. Let's go to Romans chapter 14. 
And uh, verse number 16, the Bible says, Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Would you read the rest of the verse with me? But I'd like to encourage you to underline that. And I'd like to encourage you to even this year as you read your Bible and you come across the term righteousness, maybe highlight righteousness, underline it, uh, maybe put some, some uh, asterisks around it there. Because that's the, the Bible says the, the kingdom of God is not rules and do's and don'ts as much as it is doing the right thing, righteousness, and peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And he's given this in context of, uh, of meats and drinks and offenses to, young, to weaker brethren and, and that kind of thing. It was an argument in the early church, and, and it revolved around meat and drink. And he said, look, it's, it's righteousness, it's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I want you to turn real quick, if you would, please, to John chapter 8. One of the battles that we have to fight in any area of decisions about what we're going to do is if we're going to appease God or we're going to try to please God. Many times, young people, when it comes to music, dress, entertainment, activities, well, what's wrong with that? I can't see God getting really upset about that. Maybe a little bit, but not a lot. It's not that. I'm not out drinking. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not uh, being immoral. So that's not so bad. But you know, that mentality is I'm trying to make sure God doesn't get too ticked off with me. I just don't want to, I don't want to, I want to appease him. I don't want to make him get too mad with me because we have a little bit of fear of God in our life. But really, the godly Christian ought to want to make God gloriously happy. He ought to want to make him pleased, not just appeased. Not just keep him from getting, you know, a son or a daughter ought to be concentrated on, on helping your parents be extremely glad that you're their daughter, that you're their son. A wise son makes a glad dad, a glad father. A foolish son is a heaviness, just a weight on the chest of his mom. It's like walking around your, some of your, if you're, a, if you're not bringing joy to your parents, it's like your parents or your mom is walking around with a cinder block on her neck and her chest and just a heaviness because she has to think about you and your decisions. Same is true. Every, every child ought to say, you know, I'm going to make my dad happy. I'm going to make my mom happy. I want to give them pleasing. By the way, a lot of that's done when you're not with them. When you're away from them and they hear good things about you, that's a great blessing. You say, well, you know, I say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, to my dad and my mom. I, you know, I, I thank them after they make a meal, and that's good. Keep doing that. But live in a holy and righteous and respectable way when you're away from them. Nothing hurts a dad or mom more to find out their young man is talking nasty in the locker room or picking on people at school or, or making bad grades or being, uh, listening to something they shouldn't listen to, doing something they shouldn't do. It just breaks their heart. And it's not stuff they do when they're with them. It's stuff they do when they're away from them and it gets back to them. And be sure your sin. Sin is the greatest detective. It always gets its man. But our Christian, we'll take that over. Who is our father? God. Here's what Jesus said, John 8, verse number 29. Look at it with me, if you would please. John 8 and verse 29. Read it out loud. Are you ready? And he that sent me is with me. It's a beautiful thing. Of course, he's telling me that God the Father was with him. He didn't leave him. And one of the reasons why they were so close 
is he did always those things which please him. Now, when you get saved, you're accepted of God. It doesn't mean that you live in the presence of the Lord. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, one of the greatest motivations for spiritual separation from the world and to the Lord. He said, come out from among them, verse 17, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, you should be my sons and daughters. He said, I will receive you. You know, now salvation, that gives you position that you're accepted. You don't have to prove anything to God to get saved except put his faith in his son. Then you become his child. But he said, my kids, I want them to be separated from the world so that we can be together. Jesus says the same thing in John chapter 8, verse 29. He says, my father's with me and I'm with him because I do always those things that please him. You know what, young people, whenever young people are not right with their parents, they want to be where their parents aren't. They want to run the room, close the door, and just sit in their, in their room and listen to their, to their beats. They want to be away from them. But when you have a good relationship with your mom and dad, you don't mind sitting with them. You want to be where they are. You don't mind sitting in the front room. You don't mind if they're in the living room. That's where you want to be. If they're at the kitchen table, that's where you're going to be. You don't mind doing that because there's nothing between your soul and your parents. But when you're not pleasing your folks, when you're not pleasing God, you're not going to be with him. You're not going to feel his presence in the same way. He said, I, I know my father's with me, and I'm with my father. Why? Because I work hard to do all those things that please him. In the area of music, you're going to have to figure out who you're trying to please. Me? Oh, listen, I, I love being your pastor, but I am the most lousy person you ought to try to please. You know, that's just the way our church believes. No one will sustain Christian holiness for a lifetime just because somebody else in front of them does it. If you live a holy life because your pastor does, you'll quit one day. No one is going to live someone else's biblical standards for a lifetime just because they have it. The room is full of people. In our family, it's the same as with many of your families. Just folks, there are things my dad and my mom believe that quite frankly, not everyone in my family cherish any longer. They, 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 somehow or another, it, they, what, what mom and dad taught us didn't transfer over. They did it for a long time, but they didn't sustain it for a long time because it didn't become theirs. They didn't see the biblical need. And one of the things I want to do in this study, in any study, and I'm, I'm convicted about this, because I don't want to tell you, well, this is how we do this, and make sure you do this. I want to be able to show you from the Bible and then let you decide what you want to do. But I'll tell you one of the basic things is who are we trying to please here? You try to please yourself, there's no telling what you'll end up doing. It's just two choices on the shelf. You either live for God and try to please Him or try to please yourself. That's just it. But when our heart's desire is to be led in the path of righteousness for His name's sake, then it's a different ballgame. Then I have no problem saying no because I have a greater yes. Now I have somebody else I'm trying to please. You know, you have nothing to prove and only one person to please. You don't have to prove it to me. I don't have to prove it to you. Now we have to consider one another. We should consider one another to love and good works, provoke each other to love and good works. 
And one of the keys, you know, one of the reasons, we brought this up in Deacon's meeting yesterday, one of the reasons for modesty is because you're thinking about other people. You're thinking about other brothers and sisters. You don't want to bring someone else into a, into a thoughtful temptation. Well, I don't care what I wear. It's just my body. No, it's not. And you're not, in a, you're not on an island by yourself. There are other people around you. But we're just full of selfishness. What I want. I like this music. I like this. This is what I want. This is my flavor. I like this. I hip-hop. I like this rap. I like this. What's wrong with that? And it's all about us. It's not about him. And his righteousness needs to be paramount. And if we could get that settled, the rest of it, there's not a lot of choices then. Then you got, you say, Lord, what do you want? Does this bother you? Oh, well then if it bothers you, I think some of you guys in RU, if God's against it, so am I. If God doesn't like it, well, then I don't like it. If it hurts him, I I just soon go into eternity never having done that. Not listen to that. And especially in this area of music, I think it's very important. Well, a couple thoughts real quickly. As I share with you, music is a little confusing. It's definitely controversial, but it's very crucial to your life. And I think it's very important to the Christian, and God says enough about it. Music which melody, text, and practice, and performance seek to glorify God is vital. So I'm not going to talk to—we're going to take a few, few weeks and talk about this. Is music—does only the words matter in music, just the text? No. The melody, does that matter? Sure. Does the people that perform it, does that matter? What their lifestyle is. You're not always going to find. I mean, if people say, well, you know what? I heard that person, he, he wrote that song and he fell into sin. And I'm never going to sing that song again. Well, you'd probably have a hard time singing David's song too. <laughs> because David fell into sin. And there ain't nobody perfect. And if we all knew everybody's thoughts and past and every secret sin we've ever done, we wouldn't want to sit with anyone in church tonight. And there would be no one to lead the church. Because all of us are a bunch of dirt pots. I might have more dirt on my pot than you got on your pot, but we're still dirt pots. We all are just sinners saved by the grace of God, trying to work through this, but trying to please the Lord Jesus Christ. But music needs to, in its text, in its melody, in its practice, and its performance, try to bring glory to God. And we work really hard to make sure that the musician gets glorified. We want to be glorified. We want to, we want to honor, oh, that person, I love the way they sing. And, well, we sometimes do that. And I, I can see myself being guilty of that. But really, every song, everything ought to eventually bring glory to God. Whenever you hear a good song, like we heard tonight, a beautiful song that Emily wrote, uh, we, can, uh, we, can, we can thank God for the gift that God gave her, but we never want to fall in love with the gift at the expense of the giver. Every good gift, every perfect comes from above. And no one, God said, I'm not going to share my glory with anybody else. And, but we do that. We do that in our own hearts. We, got, we want to put up, you know, pictures of, of, of actors and, you know, Brother Colson's having a problem with Oscar Meyer and stuff like that. You know? Some carnal people around here, I tell you. Did, did you hear that good enough? Okay, good. 
He claims he didn't hear what I said this morning. I want to make sure you heard that. One of the temptations of our society is to take music that is worldly in its origins, in its beat, in its text, and pray, use it as a tool to praise God. The CCM crowd, the contemporary Christian music crowd, primarily motivated by, in my opinion, flesh and money. And we can even get into that our own self. We're not careful. Let's look at a couple things here. Let's look at the purpose of music. I believe it's primarily to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to do this real quickly. I've got these verses on the screen. Let's just read them out loud together. Can we do that? Can you look on the screen, if you would, please, man, if you'll put that up there? And let's look at Psalm 7, verse number 17. Are you ready? Let's read it together. I will praise the Lord. How will we praise the Lord? According to the way he wants it done. His righteousness. Next verse, if we can, please. Psalms 9, verse number 2. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. So you see that he says, I'll rejoice, I'll be glad, and I will sing praises unto thee. Next verse, if we can, please. 13, 6. I will sing unto the Lord. That's recognizing God's goodness to me makes me want to... I like the song, After All He's Done For Me. Can we sing it together? After all he's done for me, after all he's done for me, how can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely after all I love to sing that song. I love to sing, God's been good in my life. Hey, all the blessings that come from that. Next verse, if we can, please. Let's look at another one. Psalm 18, verse number 49. Let's read it together. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. Okay, so where in what forum should even unsaved people uh, see us sing, hear us sing? has an element there not only of praise, but also in the, in the, in the, 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 the story this morning. In the jail of Philippi, before heathen prisoners and a heathen guard, they were singing praises unto the Lord. Very powerful. We'll learn more about that in other times. Look at the next one, if we can, please. Psalm 21, verse 13. Let's read it together. Be thou exalted. Very good. Be thou exalted, O Lord. And so we'll sing and praise thy power. Look at another verse, if we can, please. Psalm 33. Sing unto him. Sometimes you have the word contemporary and new. I don't think there's anything wrong with a new song. And you probably figured that out just in the last few years of being, having me here as your pastor. I think it's good, and I love to hear the new song. I've never heard that song before that Emily wrote. It's a beautiful song. I think a new song is something that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. The world comes up with new songs all the time. One of the reasons we introduce new songs is because I want our children to learn these songs and have a song in their heart one day when they need it especially. Uh, I think it's important. And we'll see this throughout the scripture. God encourages us to write a song, to sing a song. It may never be published. It might be a song between you and God. Uh, I remember just that I told you the story about the little song with Jesus. You know, just thinking about, I was thinking about my future. I was thinking about what was going to happen. And I said, with Jesus, I don't have to always know. With Jesus, I'll just follow where he goes. 
I'll trust him. I'll, I'll be, as long as he, if I have him and I'm with him, he's got deep pockets. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, I can trust him. And that song, even though I had the opportunity to sit down with my guitar and write those things out there, I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I need this song more than anybody else in our church. I need to know that I'm with him and he's with me and it's going to be okay. And I think the Lord is honored when we sing a song to him. With you, I love you. I love it when my wife says, honey, if I'm with you, we'll have a good time. Years ago, we had a man in our church, and, and uh, he called one of our boy hotshot. You know, he said, hey, hotshot. And I asked the little boy, he was probably six years old, I said, well, what does hotshot mean? It means I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> That's what it meant, because he's always taking him out, buying him stuff at 7-Eleven and stuff like that. You know, when you know God is with you, you know you're going to have a good time. God's going to take care of things. He's, he's big. He's strong. He's mighty. He's great. Look at the next verse if we can, please. And two verses together, 47, 6, and 7, ready together. Sing praises. What do you think the theme of that, those two verses might be? Anybody know? <laughs> Sing praises. The Lord wants us to sing a praise song to him. Let's look at another one, can we please? We have any more there? 66-2, ready, everyone together. He said, I want you to sing forth the honors and make his praise glorious. Every once in a while in the choir and orchestra, I just about ready to lose it over here, become a Pentecostal in a little bit there. Get excited. Man, that's good. That's a great song. Make his praise glorious. By the way, every... Every orchestra member, every choir member, please don't walk out there with the world on your mind. You ought to walk out, you ought to make a, not just the prayer that you pray with Brother Eggers or Brother Quotso, but it ought to be like, Lord, please use me. Don't let anything in my spirit keep from having your praise be glorious. Help me to play my instrument well, but help me to have a right heart while I do it. Help me to sing well, but help me have a right heart while I sing. Let's look at another, two more, I think. Sing unto the Lord, sing unto God. Ready, everyone? Sing unto God. Very good. And I think we have verse 32. Let's sing it. To, read it together. Sing unto God. I want to tell you the first thing I think a music should do, and I think one of its primary purposes is to bring attention and praise and adoration to God. And I think we ought to ask ourselves, is my music doing that? Is it bringing praise to God? Worship the Lord in the spirit of his holiness, not my, not my desires. Sing to him in, in, according to his righteousness, what he thinks is best, not what I want, what he wants. But two guys that got in trouble in the Old Testament, and they offered what kind of fire was it? Strange fire. The Lord said, you know, that's strange. That's not the way you worship me. That's not, I'm not familiar with that. You remember a, a, a Moses and, and a Joshua, when they came down, they heard the sound of a rock concert. So that sounds like war. What is that? What is that sound? 
And it was something very opposite of what God enjoys and what he wants, and we ought, to, we ought to consider that. So number one, I want you to know that music is to praise the Lord. We can look at a few more verses if you, if you want. I'll give them to you. But let's, let's take time to go to Psalm 91. I think it would be good for you to underline these. Psalm 91 in your Bible. I said 91, Psalms 96. Let's read verses 1 and 2 together. Psalms 96, verses 1 and 2. Are you ready? Let's say, read them together. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. And, of course, you can read that very same one. Look over at 98, verse number 1, would you please? Sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. So many verses in the scriptures talk about that. But I think of the 500 verses to, of songs in the Bible, most of which are in the Old Testament. I think you, I told you this morning, I think you'll struggle to find probably seven to ten references to music in the New Testament. Matter of fact, you see the early church, they continued in doctrine and in prayers and in fellowship and in breaking of bread. Not one time do you hear music in that. The early church did not even have Music is one of their main ingredients necessarily. But he said they continued in, in, in doctrine, teaching, and in prayers, praying, and in fellowship. And that probably would be the arena in which singing would be done. It's something we can do together. And then breaking the bread, remembering the Lord Jesus Christ. You find at, uh, in Paul and, Bar and uh, Barnabas, or Paul and Silas singing in the midnight hour. You see, you see Jesus, when he finished the Last Supper, he sang a hymn. They sang a hymn to the Lord in praise to the attributes of God. We find just uh, Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16. We'll look at that in a few moments. A few times in, in, the, in the book of Revelation, and that's about it. But the Old Testament is, is full of that. And the Old Testament is vital because it tells us how God feels about things. How he thinks, how he feels, and what he wants. So I don't care if you're looking in Leviticus, you're looking in Psalms, or Song of Solomon, or Malachi, or Haggai, you're going to find this is how God feels about things. And he has a lot of feelings and a lot of, of thinking about music that we can see here. And we see the negatives and the positive. But the number one reason for music, I think, is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, it educates. Look, if you would please, in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, would you look at that, please? Colossians in your New Testament, let's hear those pages turning. In a few weeks, we'll have the chance to have with us Brother Doug Fisher. And he, one thing he says about our church, he says, I love to go to First Baptist because when you turn your Bible, and he does a lot of turning the Bible. I don't do that as much. I usually quote or stay in one passage of Scripture, but he does a lot of back and forth. And he says, I love First Baptist Church because you can hear the pages turning and the people seem to know where to go and they're not frustrated by that. And I thank the Lord for that. Would you look at chapter 3, verse number 16? And let's read it, if you would, please. He's given admonitions and imperatives. He's telling them what to do. Would you look at verse number 16? Let the word of Christ dwell in you, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Okay, let's talk about this real quickly. Here it says, music not only exalts the Lord, but it educates us. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You can be rich in those scriptures. And teach it to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, psalms mostly, I think we learned this from Brother Quote so recently. Psalms primarily scripture, scripture put to music. That's what the book of Psalms is. Hymns 
are songs that speak of the attributes of God. Someone give me real quickly a, a hymn that talks about the attributes of God. Somebody raise your hand and tell me one. Yes, sir, Keith? Great is thy faithfulness. That's a great hymn. Very good. Attributes of God. Yes, sir, Philip? Okay, Jesus loves me. His love would be an attribute there. Yes, sir? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Guinevere. What? Not the blood, but the blood of Jesus. That's good. Rex? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Yes, sir. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Those are hymns that speak about the greatness of God's attributes. His love, His grace, His mercy. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied. What is it talking about? It's talking about the greatness of God. His attributes. Hymns. And then spiritual songs speaking about activities that are spiritual. Okay? Let's think about that. What is, uh, what is something we should do? What's a song that goes along with, talks about spiritual activities that we should do? Yes, sir. Okay? Sweet hour of prayer. Is prayer a spiritual activity? Boy, that song helps you. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour. What's something else we should do? Yes, sir, Peter? Okay, praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. And that could be almost two there. Good, someone else has something over here? Yeah, that would be another one for the praise of the Lord. Very good. Now, in the back here, yes, sir, Brother, Brother Allen. Work for the night is coming because that's an activity we should do. How about, yes, ma'am. When we walk with the Lord, let's read, sing that one, ready together? When we walk with the Lord in the light, what a glory he sheds. While we do his, he and with all who will, to Christian disciplines, trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us that music educates. How many remember those songs? How many learn your ABCs because of a song? A, B, C, D. We'll stop right there, okay. I'm not sure I would go through it. I'm a little nervous. It's been a long time. I think I know trust and obey better than ABCs. But you know, to teach a, a, a teacher, we have wonderful teachers in our ministry. I love going to their classroom and learning the kids. We have our, usually our K-5 program at the end of the year, or K-4 program in our, in our City Baptist or Hammond Baptist. And I love to see that. But so many things they learn, they learn through music. But we learn the attributes of God in music. We learn the attributes of a Christian in music in spiritual songs. We learn to memorize scripture through music. Remember years ago, coming here, uh, years ago, and, and I was 13 years old, there are several songs that I remember when I was 13 that I learned at youth conference. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. I learned that as a 13-year-old boy sitting in the balcony listening to that song. I think Brother, Brother Howes put a lot of those things to music. Another one. And, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever, as the stars forever and ever. Remember the Hiles singing, Come boldly, come boldly, come boldly to the throne of grace. Find mercy, find mercy. 
Well, I remember hearing those things and it resonated in my mind so many times. I learned scripture verses through music. So music exalts the Lord. It educates us. What else does it do? It encourages us. Would you please look, if you would please, at that Colossians chapter 3 uh, and verse number 16 again. Psalms and hymns and spiritual song, uh, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Well, you know what? Somebody who has grace in their hearts is probably an encouraged person. Would you agree with that? God is helping them, and boy, they have heart. You know, I can just, I can almost, and you can too. You can tell when someone's down. You can tell by their countenance. You can tell oftentimes when a child is struggling, a teenager is struggling. You know, sometimes you can tell in the song service. Sometimes you can tell when just because they, they, they're just, they're having a hard time. But you know, people who have grace in their hearts to the Lord, <laughs> it, they're encouraged. I, I think about, what, what about a guy? Let's go and look at it real quick. I think we'll take a time and then we'll cut off, our, uh, cut off our message with this. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Turn there if you would, please. Most of you are familiar with this. Some of you know exactly where we're going. Take your Bibles. 1 Samuel 16. Everybody turn there, would you? Someone tell me, who is struggling in 1 Samuel chapter 16? Saul, he has disobeyed the Lord, he's away from God, he has an evil spirit upon him, he's miserable, because he no longer is walking with God, he has let his presumptuous sins, he's taken his sin over God's way, and uh, he's, 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 he's really in trouble, he's depressed, he's having a difficult time. Look at verse 23, would you please? And it came to pass that the evil spirit from God was upon Saul. Would you read the rest of the verse with me? took an harp and played with his hand. So do you think music has some power to encourage? Never forget whenever we found out our son passed away, there were certain songs that encouraged Linda in a special way. There are songs that encouraged me. Remember Linda asking me at the, at the service, she said, John, would you try to sing, even in the valley, God is good? I tried to sing, and I didn't do a good job. She stepped out un unprompted by anybody, came up beside me, and stood beside me, grabbed my arm, and said, let's do this together. And we sang it together, a trio. Even in the valley, God is good. It helped her. A song I really appreciated, and I, every time I hear it to this day, is that God wanted it that way. Every trial, every mile. If God wanted it that way, then he can help me through. If he wanted to leave Tyler with us, then he would, he, would, uh, he would have done that. But he wanted it different. So I've got to learn to accept it and quit fighting it and quit complaining and griping. I've got to say, you know what? It's like we're stewards. If you're a steward of a restaurant and the, and the, uh, and the owner wants the cappuccino machine out, you've got to learn how to run the restaurant without cappuccino. That's what you have to do. You can't sit there and cry and curl up in the corner in a fetal position and have a seizure. You can do it, but you're not going to make a lot of money doing that. You're not going to be a good steward of the restaurant doing that. You've got to learn to say, you know what? The owner didn't want that, so we're going to work out something else. Maybe we can get a snow cone machine in there. Maybe we can make ices or something else. But he didn't want the cappuccino. That's the owner's prerogative. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world, and all they that dwell therein. But when I heard that song, God wanted it that way, every trial, every mile, that he can decide what's best for me, and I have to live with it. 
and love him, knowing that he's good, he's gracious. And I wouldn't be standing here today looking at you, and you wouldn't be looking at me if that trial had not come in my life. But one of the things that took me out of my tailspin was music. Encouraged me. It will encourage you, the right kind of music. You get the wrong kind of music, you're going to find yourself discouraged. So music exalts the Lord. Music educates and music encourages. 